Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mountains of Magic podcast. And I am so excited because this is episode 50 today. Your listener questions. everyone. Thank you so much for listening in today. And as I said in the intro, so excited to be doing this episode. 50 podcast episodes in is a really big milestone. And I've been wanting to do kind of a Q&A style for quite a while because honestly, that is why I started the podcast. I love answering Disney questions. What do you want to know about Walt Disney World? What do you want to know about the parks? I would love to explain it to you. That's why my clients over at Fantastical Vacations, they'll be like, oh, sorry for all my questions, but they don't understand. And I know some of you are listeners. You don't understand. I love it. I absolutely love answering questions. So I posted um, a couple polls, question boxes over on Instagram. If you aren't following me there, check out Mountains of Magic on Instagram. Instagram and also on my Facebook page, Fantastical Vacations by Danielle with one L. Um, but both of those places, I kind of posed questions where you guys could ask, and I'm happy to answer today. If you aren't already following me over on those two platforms, please check out the show notes, find those links so you can do it. I would love to connect with you there. But let's get started because I've got lots of great questions that I want to get answered today. All right, our first question that we're going to look at is where should picky eaters eat? So if you're going to Walt Disney World, maybe you know you want to have a nice meal or maybe you're just worried if everything's going to be a little crazy, fancy, crazy expensive, you want to feed your people. So first response to this is that the quick service locations at your resort hotel in the theme parks, they are more than likely going to be just fine for your picky eaters. All right, they're going to have the pizza, the burgers, the nuggets, the fries. That's kind of what I assume a picky eater eats. Maybe not. Um, But also, If picky eater is on the fact of like a dietary restriction, please know Disney does a fantastic job, even at like quick service, which is Disney fast food. Um, They will have something at just about every kiosk for someone gluten free um, or dairy free. And if you can't find it there, you can use your My Disney Experience app to kind of search and look for those things. Um, That's going to be the second tip I give in regards to this question. Anywhere you want to eat, you can pull up the full menu right there on the My Disney Experience app. And this is going to be really helpful for those sit-down restaurants. So before you make a reservation, before you agree to maybe pay a little bit more money, um, just know that those are options you can take. You can look at the app. You can see the whole menu. Um, The next thing I'm going to say in regard to this is consider getting kids meals. You know, if you're at a little quick service location, and you don't want, you know, maybe the adult food, maybe you have a picky adult, um, anyone can order a kid's meal from a quick service location. Now, when you're at a sit-down restaurant, they may let you order the kid's food, but you're probably still going to pay the adult price. Now, know that adults in Disney, when we're talking eating and theme park tickets, is 10 and up. 
Okay, so you're looking at that price, you know, if you have an 11 year old, but if you're an adult and you really, really want the kids chicken nuggets, I'm sure they'll bring it to you. I just can't promise they're going to give it to you at the kids price. I would still expect to pay the adult price, even if you're getting chicken nuggies. So biggest thing there, if it's quick service, if you're walking up to a counter, get a kid's meal or whatever you want. If it is a sit-down restaurant, look at the menu beforehand before you go making your reservations um, just so you know what's available. And no, the staff will probably bring you anything you want from the menu, but you may be paying a higher price point for it. Okay, question two, what is Memory Maker? So Memory Maker is a way to basically get all of your Disney Park photos um, free to download. All right. So if you purchase Memory Maker before you go on your trip, I think it's up to three days before. Right now it's sitting about $170. But whether you're staying in Disney for two days or a whole week, you're going to get access to those ride photos. If you go step in front of the castle, you'll see a Disney PhotoPass cast member there. They'll take your photo. They may even work Tinkerbell into the background. They'll do cool videos. So you're going to get access to all of these by either scanning your magic band after they take your picture, or if you don't have a magic band, you'll have your card, your phone, just something they can scan to attach that to your profile. Now, again, you're getting the downloads. So if you wanted to print these things, have them in your home, that's a separate cost. Um, but it is really nice because it's sort of, you know, one fell swoop, you get everything. Now, if you don't purchase it and you decide after the fact you want some of these photos, they should still be linked in your My Disney Experience account. And you can go in and purchase them a la carte. Like, I want this one. I want this one. And if you're just looking for one or two, you know, really classic photos, then that could be a better option than paying that bulk sum. Um, but those can add up quickly, uh, depending on what you're downloading. So just something good to think about. Also, Memory Maker works for everyone. I, there is a cap on it, but I think it's like 15 or 20. So basically your whole travel party that you're linked with under my friends and family on the My Disney Experience account everyone is going to be linked to that. So I honestly think Memory Maker is a fantastic idea if you're going with a larger group, um, because then everybody's photos are going to show up in the app and multiple families can split the cost, have their pictures um, and get to enjoy it. All right, next question. How can I afford Disney as a family of four? It just seems way out of the budget and unreasonable. Um, so Disney is definitely a more expensive vacation um, than what you could get, you know, elsewhere for same amount of time. I guess I just think because it's in Florida, I compare it to a beach trip. Okay, we could get a beach house and hang out for the beach at the beach for probably, you know, half the price, if not less than what it costs to go to Orlando and do Disney for a week. Do you have the entertainment? Do you have the amenities? Do you have the theme parks? No. So you get what you pay for. But to kind of answer this, I really just did a breakdown um, of a week in June, kind of pricing it out. Let's look at a base cost and then how could we tweak that to make it even less expensive, more affordable. Um, again, this is a quote that I'm doing right now. This is not a promise quote. If you reach out to me, this is the price 
10 minutes before I recorded this episode. So this is looking at Sunday, June 4th through Saturday, June 10th in 2023. So a full week staying at the least expensive on-site hotel that you're going to get still a Disney property still within the Disney bubble right now is All-Star Sports. That price, just for kind of budgeting purposes, is about $180 a night, but there's an early summer promo going on right now that drops it down to $150 a night. That, personally, is the cheapest Disney on-site hotel room that I have seen in the past few years. Um, So finding that at All-Star Sports, and again, this is June. This is summer, so hopefully that can work with schedules. If you go all out and you do four-day park tickets so you can go to each of the parks for two adults and two kids over the age of 10, so technically this is like four adults, Um, you're looking at about $3,300 for that week. That's including your hotel, that's including four days of park tickets, so that gives you some rest days to hang out at the pool, go to Disney Springs, do whatever. Now obviously you've got to eat, you've got to get yourself there, transportation, so there are going to be added costs, um, but that's just sort of you know, an idea, a ballpark for honestly, probably a cheaper week in June. So the biggest things that I could say here to try to make your trip affordable, one is maybe you just have to plan far out, you know, this 3300, you know, somewhere around that is your ballpark. Um, Then, you know, just taking the time to save. I love to get gift cards from Costco or Target that are discounted. You can absolutely use those to pay your deposit, to pay for your room, and to pay for things when you're down there. Also, go back and listen to episode 17. That's where I share lots of tips for saving money at Disney and how you can do that. Um, But if you have flexibility in your schedule, Going when kids are back in school um, is normally a less expensive option when they first return. So if you're willing to go in January when kids have just gone back for that semester, or if you're willing to go late August, early September when kids have just gone back, those are normally least the least expensive times to go. Um, again, that may not work for your schedule. You might have to pull your own kids out of school, which you may not be willing to do. But time of year is something to consider. Also, do you have to go to all four parks? Or do you really just want to focus in on, you know, two of them or three of them? You could cut down your number of park days. Um, there is still tons of fun things to do around Wall. Disney World outside of the theme parks, or you could swap one of the main theme parks out for a water park. Those are normally cheaper options, Um, but there are lots of things you can do to get the cost down. Obviously, shortening your trip by a day or two, Um, but really, I think the biggest thing is just having an idea looking at the budget, knowing realistically what you have to save. And one of my favorite things about Disney vacations is that if you do a package with room and tickets, your deposit's only $200. And you can get that back all the way up until, you know, 31 days before when your full payment is due. So if it's something you're considering and you have the 200 bucks, put it down. Lock in the rate that's there now. More than likely, it's not going to go down. It's only going to go up. And if it goes down, if there's a new promo, your travel agent can apply that for you or you can look out for it on your own. Um, So there's really not a lot of risk. You can get that back if it's just not going to happen for the budget. But at least then you sort of know and have something to work 
record. Um, and if you do come in with a specific budget, you know, a travel agent can definitely help you with that. We can look at some offsite properties for you. Uh, but for this example, in the summer, family of four, you know, that $3,300 mark for room and tickets is just kind of where we're at for this upcoming summer. All right, next up, question four. And this one I like is short and sweet, but I'll probably talk longer than necessary. Backpack or fanny pack for the parks? So I am absolutely team backpack. Team backpack crammed with every possible thing you could think of you might need. Um, and here's why. is because I'm, I'll use the nice word, I'm thrifty, okay? If I can pack it with me and I already have it, I don't have to buy it in the theme parks, okay? The theme parks have a ton of things you could need. They have water. They have snacks. They have chapstick. They have band-aids. They have medicine. They have ponchos. But if I already own all of those things or can get them for a much cheaper price than theme park prices, if I bring them with me in my backpack and we happen to need them, I'm good to go. Now, it is overkill. The backpack is heavy, <laughs> I do have people normally to share the backpack with, although sometimes it ends up being me and my husband both with a backpack. Um, because again, I just like to be prepared for any scenario that could pack up. However, I actually have my first solo Disney, well, it's a solo universal trick coming up, but I'm planning to get myself over to Disney for just a bit. Um, and so with it just being me, I'm contemplating not having a giant backpack. Like, could I just throw in a bandage, an aspirin, a Dollar Tree poncho, and call it a day? I don't know. I'm thinking about it, but I'll probably still end up on team backpack. Um, so if you're not the person that tends to need, you know, an aspirin, a toothpick, a Q-tip, then take your fanny pack and go have a great day. But I definitely think if it's more than one person, if you've got kiddos, and if you're just cheap like I am, backpack is the way to go. Take all those little essentials that could pop up so you've got them and take the snacks. Fanny pack just cannot hold enough snacks for me. All right, next question we're going to look at is kind of a two-parter. And I had a friend ask, what's better, the parks or a cruise? Kind of comparing them, Disney parks, Disney cruise. And specifically, they were asking um, because one of their kiddos has like sensory issues. So sort of thinking about that. So I want to look at sort of both sides of this. So part one. Parks over a cruise. I want to be completely upfront. I have not been able to get myself on a cruise yet. It is on the bucket list. I really want it to be on a reservation. <laughs> but from learning about the cruises, from talking firsthand with other agents cruising, um, and watching a ton of videos because I just want to get myself on a cruise, the biggest consensus I see is that Walt Disney World is a trip where you are doing, doing, doing the things, where the cruise really has the opportunity to be a vacation, okay? The pace is just slower. You're getting to relax. There are still a ton of great things to do and options, but it's not where you're having to wake up, you know, at 6.30 a.m. to do Genie Plus and rope drop the parks. Like, obviously, that's not what's happening. Um, so, on a cruise, there are, like I said, still a ton of things for 
every age range in the family. There are kids clubs um, that are kind of broken up into three different, well, actually four different sections. There's the infant section that you can reserve. There's sort of your kids like ages four to 12. There's a like tween young teen group. And then there's even like an 18 to 21 teen group. So the kids, they can go there. They can hang out with peers. There's activities. There's tons of fun things to do for families on and off the ship. There's towel folding classes. There's trivia. There's bingo. Literally, if you use your app for the Disney Cruise, you can see tons and tons of things listed and possible for you to take part in every single hour. So I don't feel like with a Disney Cruise, you're going to be missing out on fun things to do, or you're going to be missing out on that magic. There's still characters. You got plenty to eat. The food is included in the price, guys. I mean, come on. That <laughs> biggest gold check mark right there. Um, but I really think that a Disney cruise can still be a fantastic, magical vacation. Um, even if you have people that are really just want to go to Disney and haven't made it to the parks yet. Now, in regards to sensory issues, I do personally think that you're going to be a little better off on the cruise um, just because it's easier to kind of take a break. You can get back to your stateroom you know, pretty quickly. Um, the activities, you know, a little bit smaller scale in some regards. But again, you're just closer in proximity to being able to take a break to being able to find a quiet space. These ships are so big um, that, you know, you could just walk around a bit and find yourself some quiet. Now, on episode 47 of the podcast just recently, I talked about sort of that sensory overload in the Walt Disney World parks. And there are places you can go in each theme park. There are corners of the park. There are specific little centers that you can step away and get some quiet if someone in your party needs that. However, I do think it would just be a little easier on the cruise because of proximity. So with the asker of this question, the way I kind of took it is they were just worried with the cruise that, um, you know, their kiddo with the sensory issues, while they would need some time away, they are also very active, like to be all over the place. And I think on the cruise, you get the opportunity for both. There's places to run, there's places to jump, there's kids clubs to have fun, but there's also that possibility to sort of escape tone it down um, and have that minute if you need to. So obviously both destinations have the possibility for that but if it were just me having to kind of choose one I'd probably say look into the cruise that may be a bit of a better fit for your family but whatever you decide you can find a way to make it work even if you head to the parks. Okay and next question is Genie Plus worth it? This is probably the most asked question I get. I've done lots of episodes about Genie Plus because it's changed, honestly, in the six or so months I've been doing this podcast. Uh, but you can definitely go back to episode 31 where I sort of did an Is It Worth It episode. Um, and that got very controversial over on Facebook with people not agreeing with me. But Is It Worth It episode, I talk about Genie Plus there. Um, but I'll kind of give a rundown of my thoughts. So if the only reason I won't get Genie Plus is a budget thing, to be honest. 
going with most of the time a family of four and Genie Plus now having variable pricing where it could be $15, it could be $30. That is just a big price tag to tack on every day of vacation for everyone in your travel party. So if budget is not an option to you, I say absolutely get it. It's letting you skip the lines. It is a bit of a headache to get up early and make your selections. But if you're just doing it to skip some lines, get on the app every two hours, make your next one. There's rules that go with that. So please know how it works if you're going to buy it. So caveat one, is it worth it? If budget isn't an option, yes. Caveat two, is it worth it? If you've done your homework and you know how to use it, yes. Please don't buy it and not know anything about it. You're probably just going to be wasting money. Now, part three, is it worth it and needed in every single park? I really don't think so. If you're willing to get there early or kind of watch your apps and watch the wait times, I normally don't suggest it to clients for Animal Kingdom and Epcot because there's just not as many rides and attractions there on it. But if your kid is bent on they must ride Frozen Ever After and they will have a meltdown if they have to wait an hour for it in Epcot, then buy Genie Plus so you can ride that. In Magic Kingdom, I think it's worth it just because there's so many rides. In Hollywood Studios, if you've got thrill seekers that want to ride the big ticket, in my opinion, that's a lot of what Hollywood Studios is, those lines can get long. For that park, I'm going to say buy it. So that's kind of my quick idea on is it worth it? But again, it really depends on what it's worth to you. If you're willing to work that into your budget, and if you know your travel party just doesn't do well with lines, go for it. You can enjoy it. It's definitely going to be worth the money if you know how to utilize it and get into those lightning lanes. Okay, and then last question I think I'm going to hit today is my first memories. So someone asked what kind of my Disney backstory and what my first memories um, at the parks were. You can actually go back to episode one and sort of listen to where my Disney fandom came from. Hint, hint, it's from my mom. Um, My mom started taking me and my sister when I was 12 um, and my sister was six. And so we at that time kind of started going every three years. And here we are. I am no longer 12 and I'm about to be 35 this weekend. Um, And we are still going strong every two and a half to three years. But now we have husbands and kiddos and all that um, that get to come along as well. But my first memory, and I'll be honest, I do not have a great memory. (laughs) It's awful. I don't love it about myself. But there aren't a ton of things that I vividly remember um, from those early trips. Again, maybe because we were going once every three years or so. You know, there were things you remembered trip to trip, but it's not like we went multiple times a year every single summer where I really saw things change. So I don't have a ton of memories. I do obviously remember back when it was MGM Studios. I remember the backlot tour, the Sorcerer Mickey 
Mickey hat. We have a great picture um, in front of that. But to be honest, one of my first memories of being there is my sister. We went to, it was probably Epcot, but she wore like a Princess Jasmine outfit that we had brought from home. She was like six and everyone just oohed and awed over her. People were stopping and taking pictures of her. Um, And even though that wasn't, you know, my thing, I still just remember that and just brings a smile to my face kind of thinking about you know the Disney magic how special that made her um, and just her walking around in her cute little princess outfit at that time Um, so that is probably my first memory I do remember a few things from those early trips uh, but that one's definitely one of my favorites all right friends we got through some of those questions I hope that was helpful to you if you were either the Um, or if they were just some things that you had been wondering about as well. And I definitely plan to do another one of these episodes in the future. So definitely be on the lookout on Instagram and Facebook if you want to comment with any of your questions or at any time, you can send me a message on either of those platforms or email me at Robbins at fantasticalvacations.com. And I would love to help answer your questions, price out anything for you if you're trying to get a reasonable budget for an upcoming trip, or of course, help you plan your next magical vacation. So I can't thank you all enough for listening. These 50 episodes have been so very fun for me. I have enjoyed every second. And here's to another 50 and getting to episode 100 within this year, possibly. Yeah. So as always, thank you so much for listening and hope you all have a magical day. Bye-bye. Thank you.